Break It Down with Rick and Tim is also available to watch on YouTube. Oh, that was very bright and exciting and wonderful. It'll go great in there. I like it. And don't forget to check out our website. That's right. www.breakitdownwithrickandtim.com So on our last podcast, we talked about critical race theory, and it was a big episode. So we broke it up into two parts. We talked about the unfair amount of black men incarcerated in our country. Oh, yeah, that's right. War we talked about, yes, and the, the reasons for the Civil War, and we debated that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about systematic racism. Yep. The housing mm-hmm. issues in regards to people of color. And in this episode... Uh, Tim continues talking about Ron DeSantis and his uh, stupid don't say gay law. Oh, yeah. And how he's limiting students' access to information. That's right. Keep our kids dumb. Uh, Well, don't keep them dumb because they're not dumb. Keep them uneducated. Keep them unaware. Keep them in a bubble. And you know what happens with a kid when they get education? The bubble pops. the hell's going on it's a good question i'm glad i'm italian i'm not white you kind of are <sighs> why does it have to be the big chicken <laughs> why does it have to be the big chicken why do you have to say it like that <laughs> i was right and yes. you were racist it's britney bitch <laughs> i still have a belief that sasquatch is out there but that doesn't make me crazy and you give me that face, and this is my issue with you. Mm. You're a questionable person. This is a podcast where Rick, a Generation Xer, and Tim, a millennial, come together and try to find answers to our changing world. Break it down with Rick and Tim. All right. Mm. One more thing Ron DeSantis did, and let's not forget that he did this because it's just ridiculous. He made the word gay illegal, and teachers are to out their suspected gay or transgender students, which is insane. When I was in sixth grade, I was playing on the playground with a friend of mine. His name was Paul. And I was not a gay man. I was a sixth grader. Sure. I still had a vagina. My balls had not dropped yet. Sure. (laughs) I was just a little boy, and I said, I love you as a dare. We were all daring each other. Most kids play doctor and show each other's beepies, but instead, on the playground, we were daring each other to say, I love you. It's bold. The teacher overheard it and called my mom. Oh, my God. And I come home from school all happy, all normal, and my mom pulls me aside and says, your teacher called Mrs. Emmett. That was her name. La Mirada, California. And said that you told a boy, another boy, I love you. That was the first time I realized that that gay is bad. In fact, I didn't know it was gay. But mm. the fact that I told another boy, I love you, even though it was a joke, even though it was a dare, and it wasn't even for real or nothing. I did something horribly wrong. And this is before I started to have feelings for guys. Mm. Sixth grade. Right. Why do you have to sexualize someone at sixth grade? Well, it's, it's, I'll never forget that. And the fear 
and disappointment I had in myself over something I did not know anything about. Saying to another boy on the playground, I love you in sixth grade was like saying the N word. Mm. It carried the same weight. Hmm. But I didn't know I was doing something wrong, you know? So what was your mother's reaction? Oh, she was not happy. She was very upset and wanted to make sure I never said or did that ever again. Yeah. How'd that work out? (laughs) I wound up wearing her clothes for Halloween. (laughs) So, Oh, that's fun. But that year high school, not 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 sixth grade. No, I wasn't looking at guys until high school. Hmm. But nonetheless, yeah. So I had the mental strength to not kill myself. That's good. You know, being the sixth grader and being outed mm-hmm. when I wasn't even gay yet. Right. I was being outed, you know. But that doesn't mean other kids aren't mentally strong like me, like right. I was. So mental health, well-being, the people that are LGBT or not even LGBT, they could you could say I love you to another boy on the playground and you're you didn't grow up to be a gay man you know so you could have that uh, negative stigma attached to you and you're growing up and you're freaked out and what if your dad were to find right. out you know so it's just it's wrong now here's the thing in, in some states I remember I don't know if it's one of these but in it's probably Florida they they were passing a law that stated we couldn't talk about sexual identity until third grade or something ridiculous like that. Well, why even talk about sexual identity with third graders? Or pronouns. We're just learning how Jack and Jill went up the hill. We didn't know we, they went up to each, show oh, each other's I, private I parts. I disagree with you. I, like, for my, my daughters, for example, I have, since since they were young, you know, ever since we started reading to them, we've been reading them books that, you know, show, I guess, what uh, has been defined as the woke library. What does it even mean to be woke anymore? That's just somebody saying, oh, my God, you're pointing out reality to me. Stop it. It's too hard. You're woke. Democrats sometimes can take it too far. Or, you know, I would I would categorize liberal as different than woke. You know, woke, which started out as a good thing, alert to injustice, who could be against that. But it became sort of an eye roll because they love diversity except of ideas. But... Your your daughter's books continue right. So like we have um, a book that says all ca- it's it's titled All Kinds of Families and it goes through and it talks about all the different kinds of families and what they look like you know and it shows you know uh, a mom and two children, a grandparents and one children and things of this nature and like step parents and step moms. It goes through and throws all different types of different combinations you can use to make a family right. So it challenges the idea of the the family nucleus the the mom the dad the two and a half children and the dog maybe a cat is that sexualizing that's not sexualizing that's showing different family dynamics it's not sexualizing so therefore talking to the third graders about sex between men and men and that's no that's to me that's different to you, it's different, but to them, it's not. Because what you're talking about is if you show a family that has two moms. Some families have two moms. Some families have two dads. If you say that, then... Well, if they're showing images of them licking each other's twats, then yeah, absolutely. No, 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 Rick, you, you're not understanding. If you show a gay family to a child, that is not okay. Like, you can't... That They would consider that, like, approaching 
like gender identity because then they'd be like, well, why does she have two mommies? You know, and you can't t- tell her, oh, well, those mommies love each other. They're a family because that's, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Right. They're, you're not allowed to teach anything about like gender pronouns or sexual identity or anything of that nature. Okay. So I'm going back to when I was in third grade. Right. I don't think I had the mental capability back then to grasp these higher woke concepts of learning, I guess, that kids are getting today. Because I remember in third grade, we were talking about Star Wars and Godzilla. But were you taught that a family ever was a mom and a dad and you ever drew pictures of your family? Like talk I, about I, it with your friends. You I ever meant, have a friend that had two daddies? I mentioned Jack and Jill. Right. Boy and girl went up the hill. Right. See Jack jump. See Jane run. Right. It so was, and, it's ingrained. And so what I'm saying is what they are worried about is us ingraining all of these woke ideas into these books. So they give a vague definition so they can lump things that they feel uncomfortable with and then ban those books speaking of banned books yes let's talk about banned books yeah book banning it's not something new in fact in 1933 in germany the nazis were targeting thousands of books deemed un-german including the works of jewish authors like albert einstein and sigmund freud as well as banned american writers like Ernest Hemingway. We've had some recent book burnings here in the United States, too, haven't we? I remember in the early 2000s, Harry Potter was banned. It was like the most, I think it is actually still the most banned book. Books. It was quite a few books. Seven, I think, in the series. Right. How much money did the Harry Potter movies make? They made a lot of money. Uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone made almost a billion dollars. That's just one movie. This is one movie. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets made a little bit less. But each one of these movies made between somewhere between 800 to a billion dollars. Not really a billion dollars. Oh, no, wait. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 made 1.3 billion U.S. dollars. Yeah, so Jesus. The, the book banning didn't hurt the franchise. No, no, it didn't. But I remember when I was a kid and those books were coming out, uh, our fourth grade, te- maybe it was a third grade teacher, one of the teachers, I think it was a fourth grade teacher, uh, was livid that we had Harry Potter in our library and it needed to be gone. Because uh, of witches. Right, and we cannot allow any kid in the school to write a report or do anything on it because it's witchcraft and wizardry. No, I think it's because Dumbledore was gay. I don't think that they that no no I remember him specifically saying that because he was it was he, a joke right I don't know but he was but that's the thing what I'm saying is like he was so hyper focused that he didn't have any he didn't even give it a chance he had no idea what the book was about he just was like bah Harry Potter is a witchcraft and witches do things and I'm just going to fight somebody because in my community anger is what prevails white masculinity some of these books uh, that are on the ban list. One of them that surprises me is a children's book about Martin Luther King Jr. And that's in Tennessee. Yet we have a national holiday celebrating the memory and the hard work of Martin Luther King Jr. So you take these books out of the library. What are you going to do with them? I don't have a clue, but I would burn them. 
State Representative Jerry Sexton standing by his amendment to a school bill designed to give our state's textbook commission more authority. But Williamson County mother of two Anne McGraw says Sexton's words were inappropriate. History does not look kindly on book banners um, and especially not book burners. So he's going to have a special place in Tennessee history because of the statement he made today and it's not a good one. Tennessee conservatives have also targeted two books about Ruby Bridges, the first black student to attend an all-white school in Louisiana in 1960, and in Separate is Never Equal, a story about segregation before the landmark Brown versus Board of Education Supreme Court case. Does it give you a reason as to why those books were banned? This book was banned because... They were black. That's it? I don't know. Because Jim Crow... I don't know. I mean, Virginia school board members called for the burning of books. Virginia's Governor Youngkin, who we mentioned earlier, has a tip line for parents that freaked you out to call and right. report what their children are reading in schools. I would, the teachers that I don't like that I work with, I'd, tell, I'd, just, I'd just be like, yeah, he's teaching them like Fahrenheit 451 or some shit. Well, I sent you photos of the books that are banned. Sure. My two dads. So going back to what I said earlier about, you know, trying to have these what I would call blanket laws so that anybody can say a book like that is teaching my kid mm -hmm. about sexual identity. So right. it needs to be banned. So that goes back to what I was saying. Look at me like I'm crazy the whole time. <laughs> you were like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, but I'm not wrong. My little woke library would not be accepted in these places. One of the top banned books as of late is by the Pulitzer Prize winning author Toni Morrison. The book is called Beloved. So the book examines the destructive legacy of slavery as it chronicles the life of a black character from her pre-Civil War days as a slave in Kentucky to her time in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1873. Oprah Winfrey played that part. The book Beloved is inspired by the true story of an enslaved woman, Margaret Garner, who killed her daughter in 1856 to spare her from slavery. So why they ban it? Because it is very blunt and honest, graphic, and horrifying. So here's what I have to say to banning books. And banning what I like to think of as just reality in general. Um, I was having this conversation with a coworker of mine. And what it comes down to is I'm never going to have a solution to racism. And I'm never going to be able to decide when we are done talking about it. That's not for me to decide, right? And so when it comes to these books, this literature, it's not for me to decide whether or not we should ban these books. It's up to, you know, whether or not these students read it. They should have the freedom to choose whether or not they want to expose themselves to that, you know, part of our culture. Now, Maybe we go and we say, do we need like a trigger warning? I don't know. I remember in my education, teachers would give us a list of authors to choose from. Right. And make a decision. Colleges will have an entire course dedicated to an author for further analyzing. 
Right. It's not being forced on a student. It's an elective. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. But people are using these as a hot topic. Mm-hmm. Trigger, we got to protect these children because we're going to be teaching children about the mo- the book and the movie Beloved. Right. And well, at the end of the day, reading develops critical thinking. And if you, the more perspectives you get, the yeah. more exposure you get, the more wisdom you're able to create. Yeah. And that's just the reality. And those influences are, to some people, dangerous because it makes people realize that, you know, sometimes the processes that we go through to get what we want affect other people and in some ways directly make their lives more difficult. My favorite author of all time is Alice Walker, and she wrote The Color Purple. And the book was written in the form of letters from post-Civil War woman who had no self-esteem, had no identity, she thought of herself as trash based on how she was raped by who she thought was her father, which was not her biological father, it was her stepfather. That's not even a spoiler alert. But she, through the course of time, is able to realize that she is a beautiful person. She's smart. She has value, has a name. And then she starts signing her letters to God who she's been writing to, and her sister with her name Celie at the end. So it's a progressive, mm. it's, a, it's really a, a truly artistic literary piece. Right, it's watch, It's almost a rebirth, if you will. And Steven Spielberg turned it into The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. That book is on the band list. Why? Because of, there's homosexuality, rape, and... I would say Negro empowerment. Right. And I guess the other thing you also have to look at too, um, and I, I, I can see where there might be some room to say we maybe need to evaluate the graphic nature of these things and decide whether or not that that's something that's a college level. Oh, the color purple clearly right. is college level. I would even argue beloved is definitely college level but to say that they are not allowed and to not have that accessible to students if they want it might be a bit much okay so there let's talk about the reason why they're not allowed why can't that be an open forum in the classroom without the teacher losing their job so we're not reading the book but we have the synopsis right here we are aware of what happens in the book why can't we discuss it because of certain things that are because triggering. It, yeah, it'll make kids feel guilty. White guilt. White guilt. I remember, you know, thinking thinking back to that, you know, gra- graphicness. Now I think about it, no, that's not an issue. Because I remember in middle school, I read a book that detailed child abuse, like this guy went through this child abuse and then wrote a book about it. And he talked about when he, you know, went through this whole process, how he basically had to eat his own shit. And it was just like shocking to me as a middle school. I'm going, why the hell am I reading this book? Right. The book Tim is referring to is a child called it. One child's courage to survive by Dave Belzer. His book chronicles the unforgettable account of one of the most severe child abuse cases in California's history. Hurt people hurt 
people. My mother, uh, I learned, was abused by her mother. My mother was raised that uh, in society, in the 30s and 40s basically, it was men, dog, and way below that line was women. At the same time, it allowed me some exposure into a world that I wasn't necessarily in tune to. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, the little bit that I get. And the problem is, is that when I, now that I'm an adult, I'm finding myself, you know, going, when I was a kid, I was, I just, my ignorance is mainly because of my education. My ignorance is that I wasn't, I, I didn't have the opportunity to be exposed to some of these things. And that's my worry, is that there won't be those opportunities for our students to learn and grow because these books are going to start being banned and it's going to get worse and worse and worse, maybe. Well, we haven't even touched on the whole transgender, the books that are touching on transgender people and queer people and non-binary, and those are on the, the hit list as well. It's not just black and gay, but it's also transgender as well. Mm-hmm. When my son showed me his reading assignment, my heart sunk. It was some of the most explicit material you can imagine. They passed bills requiring schools to notify parents when explicit content was assigned. But then Governor Terry McAuliffe vetoed it twice. He doesn't think parents should have a say. He said that. He shut us out. Now, what Murphy and Glenn Youngkin don't tell you in that ad is that her son was a high school senior, and the book that she wanted banned was Toni Morrison's Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, Beloved. To kind of wrap things up, really, from my perspective, critical race theory at this point in time is a rallying cry. And we're going to see, I think, the extremes play out. And the one that I was talking about was this guy that we had seen that clip from. And what he does is he connects critical race theory to Marxism and failed Marxism. Basically, the idea of Marxism is that the poor class, the working class, they realize their plight and they take over the government and take over the rich people and spread the wealth out evenly. Uh, the problem is, is that socialism. And socialism didn't work in the Soviet Union. And the people who pushed that Marxism realized that it wasn't working and then changed their name to critical theorists, came over to the United States, started the uh, movement, and this is all detailed in the video if you want to watch it, it's interesting, uh, came over to the United States and started the, uh, the, the, the civil rights movement, or essentially bolstered it. And that took over their, their movement, and civil rights became the focus. Now they're back, and they're trying to push their Marxist ideas in the classroom. The thing about it, though, is that it's fundamentally wrong, I think, because at the beginning of the Marxism definition that he gives, it's the poor people and the working class realize their plight. They realize that they're being taken advantage of. So when he says that Marxism is taking over, what he's doing is recognizing that we have a class system. Even though he says yes. we can't recognize that we have a class system, it just doesn't exist. And that's the stupidest thing in the world. The class system exists as evident by these graphs I'm about to show right now. 
So the graphs are just the example of systemic racism in our housing. And you could throw up a little bit of the uh, prison population, right? Systemic racism, things of that nature. The idea, though, is that we as now incognito Marxists are going to try to overthrow the government, which is what critical race theory says. The United States can't exist the way it is. It has to be torn down and rebuilt through social justice issues. And but 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 that's how that's evolution. That's the evolution of our country. Well, that's why we have keep adding amendments. Right. That's why we do that. And but what the rallying cry is is don't let these Marxists come in here and turn us into socialists and turn us into Russia. Because that's what they're doing with critical race theory. So we need to stop critical race theory. Otherwise, we're going to turn into the Soviet Union. That's their whole premise. The pendulum swings one extreme to the next every few years. Right. Will things balance out? Or is that all dependent on who wins the presidential term in 2024? Well, I think the 2022 election is going to be very telling because it's going to be interesting to see how our system works. Because right now, in this moment... It's in jeopardy. It's in jeopardy because laws are being passed specifically to make it difficult for the count to happen. What does that mean? Well, they've passed some laws in some little rural counties that say that you can challenge a vote for any reason and they'll have to go through and examine that vote before it's counted. It would just... So come election night... You're going to be like, okay, here's a, a county that's important, but they have, you know, 500 challenges that they got to work through before they're able to give us the results. Yeah. And they'd have to go through that and it would just slow the system down and make it not work. And that's the goal. The Republican Party isn't, they're not playing the game of winning an election fairly. They're playing the, the game of how do we break the system so that we can say we're going to repair it and our person's going to win. That's what it's coming down to. They want to try to rig the system so that not everybody's vote counts. Like in Georgia. In Georgia, in Texas, everywhere. Tonight, Arizona Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake is vowing to fight on. This after today, a Maricopa County judge shut down her lawsuit to overturn the results of last month's general election. Lake claimed that issues with tabulators and ballot printers on Election Day were caused intentionally by election workers, costing her the election. One of the things that, that I, I do want to point out just to our viewers, because... I have this conversation with my students all the time about the 2020 election and how they say it was, you know, stolen and rigged. That's how elections work. You have all these, you know, mail-in votes and drop-off ballots. And historically, Democrats vote that way. Those get counted after the in-person votes. So in the places where they do in-person votes, it's mostly Republicans who vote in person in day of, and that's what shows up first. And so it appears that the Republican is winning at the beginning, and then when the mail-in and the drop-off votes are counted, that's where most of the Democratic votes come in. And that's a natural like thing that's known in the industry or in the elections. And right. Even Trump wanted even, to have the votes stop being counted. Well, that's what it was, is... He knew that that was going to happen. He was told that that was going to happen. And some of his people even said that he was, Steve Bannon said that he was going to exploit that. This is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court 
we want all voting to stop. And he was the first person, first president or first person in history to exploit that. It's, but the thing is, though, it's just historically that's how it works. So the blue wave, right? They talk about this blue wave. And when, when that happened, uh, you had all these day of uh, votes come in and they were Republican. And Trump said, oh, we're winning. And then all of a sudden, we stopped winning. Yeah. And he wanted the book. So his idea was, we'll get to the point where I'm winning. And before that blue wave comes in with all those votes that naturally come in that way, we're going to stop the count, seize the voting machines, make the count stop, and we'll go and say just the votes that are in are the ones that are going to count, and I'm the next president of the United States. Yeah, that didn't happen for him. No. Thank God. Right? So now it's critical race theory, Marxism, socialism, don't let them come in and take us. Rick, we didn't talk about fragility and the white fragility and why they're so fragile. It's because of education. I'm an educated man. I'm Caucasian. My identity isn't based on my skin color. And I am not threatened by other people's skin color. And I honestly think white fragility is bullshit. I think it's a false fear that people are using as a rallying cry, platform, hot topic, whatever. And yes, men tend to have fragile egos. As a man, I can say I've seen it and I hear about it all the time. And when men are threatened, they get loud. Do and you, then we have white rage. Do you think that it's because in our communities we are taught, well, we teach our men that um, you have to be in control of your emotions. And if you lose control of your emotions, you need to project it as anger. Maybe that wasn't the way I was raised. Well, you weren't raised by, you know, white men for the most part. (laughs) Uh, I was raised by loud Italians and right. You know, but uh, how do the loud Italians deal with stress and anger or stress and they had Italian rage. Right, the Italian rage. So we talk about this rage, right? Why do we feel this rage? It's because we have been taught that it is taboo to show emotion. In my classroom, when my kids, you know, misbehave, and this might be a little bit, but when my kids misbehave, it's really misbehaving. We're talking, fuck yous are flying, and the N-word, and just all sorts of bad. And it winds up with me having to pull them out, and I'm, I'm shaken by it. And I come back into the classroom and I tell the rest of the students, I just need to just be in my own space for a while. Go do your own thing. And they're like, why are you in your fields? What's going on? Why are you getting all so upset about that? And I looked at them and I said, well, what emotion would you like me to show here? Anger? Rage? Well, yeah, say something. Well, I can say that I'm disappointed in how they're acting. Uh, But I'm not angry because anger is useless in this situation. What's an example of... White fragility that you can think of right now. What's an example? Is there someone that is an example of white fragility that's in media or pop culture? Yeah, Tucker Carlson. Oh, that really... Okay, now I see it. Now, his screaming, his whining, his finger pointing, his right. his arched eyebrows, and he always has that pissed off look on the camera. And I, Okay, I get it now. That's white fragility. 
Okay, and an example of um, white rage. Yeah, so he's got that look that he's like trying to figure out whether he should spit or swallow. My. Because white rage is what's the word? Like predisposed to white fragility. Well, it's the idea that um, that's how you solve a problem, right? By punching, by punching, by screaming, by, screaming, by becoming the monster, right? Because at the end of the day, the winner is the person that's the scariest. That's the biggest, that's the loudest, the one that can tamp down the other person. And that's what, you know, being a man is all about. I've seen White Rage in person once at the bottle drop where we recycle our cans and bottles. And this, he looked like a typical Trump supporter, MAGA type of dude. And... The door was not held open for him. The person that was using the door to put the bag of cans in didn't know he was standing behind him and closed the door. And that just set that guy off. Now, the person that was, you know, unintentionally doing something wrong to him was a brown person. He was, I think, Hispanic, might Mm. be Muslim. I don't know. He was non-white. And there I am standing with my bag of cans. And here's this MAGA-looking dude just using every slur and effort and just explosive level 10 you think the guy you know cursed his family and cursed his mom and right you know it was the level of intensity did not match the infraction he experienced sure and it wasn't infraction. it was a oops oh uh, you know the guy didn't even have a chance to say i'm sorry because the guy just immediately jumped the gun and turned into a Karen or a Kevin, whatever it's called. Sure. And it was scary. I got to say, it was a little unnerving. Mm. <laughs> what am I gonna? What am I gonna do here? <laughs> right. What can you do? Hey, dude. Yeah. Chill. Yeah. There was. Uh, I was riding my bike with my family, and my daughter was riding her bike, and we were riding in the street because in downtown Gresham, uh, that's there's no bike lanes. And they have the bike lanes in the road. They literally have bikes painted on the road. So you're supposed to share the road. Right. And I was riding around with my family. And some guy from a parking lot driving his car shouts at me and my family, don't teach your kids to drive in the road. And I look over to him and I'm like, are you serious? You're trying to teach me a lesson uh, about family and you're using profanity? Like, I want to pay attention to what you're saying, but all I hear is you spouting off swear words loud enough for my kids to hear. Mm. I don't care about what you're trying to tell me. I care about the fact that you feel entitled to teach my kids the F word. Right? So why, first of all, are you shouting? Yeah. Why is it your business? Now imagine if you're a person of color. Right. So now we get into that situation. Now what happens if the person of color reacts? Oh, God. I don't even want to think. Oh, man. It would have been worse. What happens when... I'm not going to say it. I was going to say what happens when that white person's a police officer. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's a thing. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? 
I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders now and in the future do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend? Well, and it's this idea that our, our media and our politicians and our political peoples and our people who are influencers are telling these white men to be angry. Well, yeah, Trump gave it a platform. Right. You, you Go have ahead right... and knock that guy out. Well, and Telling it... the police officers to rough up people. And it's, it's our politicians. What does every single politician say they're going to do when they get to Washington? Drain the swamp. They're going to fight. I'm oh. bringing my oh. kickers. Oh. Right? Yes. For some of them Republicans <laughs> and them in my own party, too. I'm like, the f are you doing kicking people in the ass? Look, here's the bottom line. Our politicians are so hyper-focused on fighting and aggression and anger, and my constituents are anger. If I were to run for, for office, I wouldn't run on a position of anger. I would say my constituents are exhausted. My constituents are sad. My constituents feel some empathy for our community and they don't want to fight anymore we don't want what's what's the point of fighting our fellow americans our yes. fellow americans yes. why do i want to go and fight i don't want to fight i want to go and solve problems fighting gets us nowhere fighting creates trauma yes talking compromising Finding avenues through empathy that allow for progress. Why can't we do that? We used to do that. We used to do that. But that doesn't sell. This was a pretty heavy topic, and I'm glad we talked about it. Mm -hmm. I learned something new from it uh, in regards to what these people are using, why they're using critical race theory as a, a tool yeah, because it's now the new thing. To it is. It's their new rallying. It's their new abortion. Right. Got to protect the children. <laughs> Since women now no longer have um, rights over their bodies. And right. The red states. We have got the children here. Now let's make sure we teach them well. Except Kansas. Except Kansas. Yes. That's right. Kansas. So on this episode of Let's Trigger Richter. <laughs> Yay. Speaking of Florida, kids are required to get their parents' permission to go to the library in Florida now. Thoughts? I think that's a little ridiculous because kids are getting information regardless of their parents' involvement. Right. From their friends, from their telephones, exactly. the, internet, the internet, et cetera, et cetera. It's futile. To try and stop a kid from getting what they want. So, but let's look at this. I want to, uh, you, you can hear what you say here. Uh, they're going to get the information from their friends. And then one thing is the access, the technology. They're going to get it from the internet. Here's the thing. Uh, there are people out there. There are kids who don't have access to the internet. They don't have access to some of these things. And that's their only access is the library. And those kids are who? Non-Caucasian. Why do you say that? Because people that are in more of a 
socioeconomic uh, lower threshold than uh, Brittany and Jacob. Uh, they're not going to have the means to pay for internet and cell phones, et cetera, right. et cetera. So people who unfortunately live in the projects are in neighborhoods that... So what you're saying is is that the those living in poverty and those who live in poverty statistically are those uh, communities of color um, don't have access, as much access to the internet as... Uh, Brittany the and more Jacob's affluent kids. communities. Yes. And those are the ones that they're restricting here. That's what it comes down to, really, is they're just the, the restrictions are really affecting our communities uh, of color, our communities that are lower socioeconomics. It's sad. It's systemic. The subject is upsetting for me, but what triggers me is the whole don't say gay and having teachers out gay students to the parents right so from my perspective like if, if a student was because because i have i've had students i, I still have students who uh, are non-binary or lgbtq uh things of that nature um and my thing is dude if you want to tell your parents tell your parents and know that this is the place that you can come to if it doesn't go well because i know that that's a concern and so it's about you know providing that space. That's what teachers should be doing, right? Providing a space of support, and not necessarily one of you know outing or revealing personal information. Yeah. So I, it's the point of this, right? It's not necessarily the question, but it brought up the feelings, the trigger, and there it is. It's yeah. these ridiculous laws that are being passed yeah. uh, that are are what they're doing is they are building a framework for. A very, I'm going to say, conservative role. Everybody has a role. And really what it is, is two men, two women, build your family, the end. There is a role for humanity in this world, and it is to procreate and Jesus. And I say that because that's the most prominent like religion that we see in our politics all the time. Well, that's where the money is. Right. There's no money in Islam. There's no oh, money. I'm sure there is. It depends in, on where in our you country, are. In our country. In our country. We're in talking our country, about our country. It's, it's all different. about Christianity. And now, ladies and gentlemen, and those that are they, them, and who and what in between. Okay. It's time to let's quiz Tim. It's funny because it doesn't exactly go like let. It's time to let's quiz Tim. It's like it's time to quiz Tim. It's like when you learn that it's uh, what's that that company the uh, the one that delivers food to people. It's like it's just weird. Grubhub it's just, to put. <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the food deliveries. I don't know. We're all right. with that. And okay. now it's time for let's quiz Tim. Okay, that's right. much better. As otherwise, you got to say, now it's time to quiz Tim or something like that. Now it's time for. Okay. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, and those of you that are they, them, and who, what, thee, thy, thou in between, it's time. I don't know if that was offensive or not. Are you a part of the alphabet like I am? No. Then. I guess. Shush. Then shush. She just shushed me. And now it's time for Let's Quiz Tim. Hello. Okay. You're Italian. Yeah. What is a single strand of spaghetti called? A noodle? I don't know. What the hell? Spaghetto. Is that 
True. Yeah. A spaghetto. Spaghetto. Okay. Quiz your parents. Oh, ah, they probably wouldn't know. Is it possible to sneeze while sleeping? Yes. <laughs> False. Dang. How? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Now, you do fart when you're sleeping. Okay, sure. Yeah. Probably all the time. Because, dude, you wake up in the morning, the whole room just reeks. <laughs> what year did MTV launch? You weren't born yet, but you know it was in the 80s. 1985. Oh. 1984. 1981. 1981. How was I, 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 I You know that. what I remember about it? Why? commercials that were like stop animation, funky oh. colored, okay. Cindy Lauper, Madonna. I remember those on the commercials. Hmm. Okay. I want my MTV. Yeah, too much is never enough. Australia is a country as well as a continent. True or false? False. True. What the hell is happening to me? <laughs> Australia is a continent and a country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but but like. All right, this is a trick one. I don't. Is Africa a country? No. Okay, good. All right. How many chromosomes are in a single cell? I'll give you a hint. It'd be fair because you're not a science teacher. Well, I want to say. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I want to say twenty-four. But I am also cautious because there it might be double that. I'll give you a hint. Okay. President Biden. 46? Yep. There you go. There you go. Get your freebie. When was Diet Coke introduced in the United States? Diet Coke was introduced into the United States in... I, I want to say it's got to be... I'm thinking around like the... 50s? August 9th, 1982. Oh, wow. That was way off. It was huge. Quite a huge promotion. Wow, diet. And then they changed the the recipe for Coke, came out with new Coke, and it tasted like Pepsi. Mm. Man, people pissed. It's not Coke in Korean. Cola. Good. Please give me Coke. Oh, please give me Coke. I want a Coke. Here's our last question. Okay. 94% of Earth's wildlife is found in the ocean. True or false? True. Yes. Very good. Remember, spaghetto. Spaghetto. Single strand. The next topic is the lessons we have learned from the pandemic. That's right. And we've learned a lot in the past two and a half years. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you how I predicted everything that happened. Did you? I did. As a matter of fact, uh, before we went into lockdown, I made a game for my classroom, my statistics class, uh, where the students are given a city and one per, like portion of their city gets an outbreak and it spreads and they have to manage the city with the resources that they get based on dice rolls and prevent the city from becoming overwhelmed with the pandemic and in there i had stupid like Susie's mom was feeling a little feverish but decided to go to the gym anyway and little Susie was also feeling feverish and she took her to the child care 
and now there's an outbreak. So you roll, and those many people spread it to their 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 population, right. and it just goes. But then there's riots from people who don't want these rules in place. You are only allowed a certain amount of like rules that you can put in place before you get a riot every turn. And then you have to spend resources on police. And it just goes and goes and goes and goes and it never ends. And the point was, is to prepare the students for what the f*** was about. And it was almost eerily to the letter. Wow. Yeah. You know what I learned from the pandemic? What'd you learn? That toilet paper is gold. I also learned how to make uh, sourdough. Okay. <laughs> that was a thing during the pandemic. I, I learned how to make it. I never made it myself, but I, I watched wow. uh, enough uh, Facebook blog sh- to know yeah. how to, to do it. So if you want to join in on the discussion with us and admonish him for being incorrect or me for being handsome, uh, devilish, devilishly handsome, uh, our Twitter handles are Richter underscore Riello and Tim breaks it down. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's just funny. <laughs> I said my line. <laughs> you did. did very, you did very good. I did. I did fine. I did a good job. White fragility. I have a dream. Thank you for listening. We here at Break It Down with Rick and Tim realize that some of these topics are very hard and difficult to talk about, and to listen to. It's also important to realize that by turning the blind eye and not discussing these things, we're turning away from the light. And the only thing that can defeat the darkness is light. Be light. Give and receive love. And on that note, you can check us out on YouTube and our website, breakitdownwithrickandtim.com. See you next time. Please give me cock.